Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The threefold cure. How many of you know that man is a tripart being? Spirit, soul, and body. Do you know that? How many of you know that God said in His Word, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord? Everybody knows that it says that, right? Well, if man's a tripart being, and if God wants a sanctified spirit, soul, and body, seems to me that he better have made provision for spirit, soul, and and body. Amen? If God demands that we have faith, and He doesn't give us a means whereby to obtain faith, then we have a right to challenge His justice. If He says, I should be sanctified in my soul and in my body, and doesn't give me a means whereby to be sanctified in my soul and in my body, then I have a right to challenge His justice. But how many of you know that God is a righteous judge? And He doesn't tell us to do anything that's impossible for us to do. For He said, through Jesus' lips, All things are possible to him that believeth. Are you a believing one? That all things are possible unto you. Say that with me. All things are possible unto me. Because you're a believing one, see? Well, Jesus came for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. How many of you know that? Well, what are the works of the devil? Sin, sickness, disease, poverty, death, fear, doubt, worry, confusion. I mean, anything you could name that's evil is of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He also came to destroy the devil. How many of you know that? He came to annihilate the devil. That's what the Bible teaches teaches us in Hebrews 2.14. He came to annihilate the devil. And, of course, he came to bring to you and me a life more abundantly. How many of you remember that? He came to bring to you and me life more abundantly. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to give you life more abundantly? What is abundant life? Walking around this, this realm and in, in, uh, fasted with sickness and disease and germs in our bodies. Walking around this, this, this realm over here with our heads, you know, our minds uh, at, not, not at ease and without any peace. That's not what God, you know, sent Jesus to the world for. The Father sent Jesus to this world to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body. So that we can enjoy the full redemption and really the full, fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. If man is a tripart being, a three-part being, well then, bless God, he has made provision for spirit, for soul, and for body. That's the complete deliverance for the total man. That's what Jesus came to the earth for. To bring life abundantly to our spirit, to our souls, and to our bodies. Here in Acts, the 10th chapter, I want you to note the work of Jesus. Peter is speaking concerning the ministry of the Lord Jesus. 
And he says in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How many did he heal? Who were they oppressed of? Was was, uh, anybody oppressed of God? I said, were any oppressed of God? I mean, that woman that had that spirit of infirmity didn't get that by God? I mean, that there child that had that demon in it and, and it was throwing itself down and trying to be killed, trying to kill it, it wasn't of God? God didn't want that? You mean that epileptic that was in the synagogue that was, you know, being tormented by that devil, that wasn't of God? You mean that man that had the withered hand, that wasn't of God? You mean that fellow that had that leprosy on his, on his body, that wasn't God? Who was that of? That woman that was bowed over in, in, in the synagogue over there with the spirit of infirmity for them so many years, you mean that wasn't of God? Who, that, who was that of? Who was it of? And Jesus came to destroy the works of who? Well, then it seems to me that sickness and disease is the work of the devil. Oppression is, is the work of the devil. Let me say something to you like this. Not only is, is disease in the body of the devil, but diseases of the minds of the devil. Doubt, worry, fear, all these things that war against us. To try to get our minds thinking negatively. All those things are of the devil. They're spiritual diseases. They affect our spirits and they affect our minds. But I want you to note that Jesus came for the tripart being of man. He came to deliver the entire man. Not just part of man, but he came to deliver the whole man. Spirit, soul, and body. Here, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Well, I'm glad that he did that in those days. But look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and verse 8. Thirteenth chapter and verse 8. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, he exercised authority and dominion over the devil. He spoke to those deaf ears and commanded the demons to come out, and the ears were unstopped, and they were instantly delivered, and they could hear. He spoke to the man with the withered hand and said, Stretch forth thine hand, and the man's hand came into, you know, perfect healing. He said to those, to the individual that was full of leprosy, I will be thou made whole, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He said to Peter's mother-in-law, I rebuked that fever, and she lived, he took her by the hand, and she arose, and she ministered unto them. He said to the Roman centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And the child was healed in the selfsame hour. He said unto all those that came unto him, that he took their infirmities and bore their sicknesses, and they were all healed, every one of them. The lame, the halt, the maimed, the blind, and all that had any need of healing or deliverance, Jesus healed them all. Now here, it says in chapter 13, verse 8 of the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? I don't want to be a poor representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't dare that you say that you want to be a poor representative of Jesus Christ. I want you to know something today. Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday, and he's the same today as he will ever be. And if he healed the sick, if he raised the dead, if he unstopped deaf ears, and he opened blind eyes, and he did all the things that he did way back when, then bless God, this scripture tells me that he's the same today. You believe that? You believe Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday? Let's go back and find out a few things that he did yesterday in Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter, very quickly. 
Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. I want you to get a good picture of this man, Jesus. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 24. And all his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew chapter 8. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and there came a leper, worshiping him and saying, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus stretched forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou made whole, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no, tell no man, go thou... See thou tell no man, go thy way, show yourself unto the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And then Jesus came and entered into Capernaum, and there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. Forever is forever. I will come and heal him. And the man answered and said to him, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roofs. Speak but the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to, to this man, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed him, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. But I say unto you, many shall come from the east and the west and sit with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast in the outer darkness, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he said to the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. All things are possible unto him that believeth. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Forever means now. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife, mother, laid sick of a fever. And he touched her hand. And uh, the fever left, and she arose and ministered unto them. And then when the evening was come, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Jesus himself took our infirmities, and Jesus himself bore our sicknesses. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say amen to that? Look at the ninth chapter of the same gospel. I could read this until he comes. I could read these scriptures until Jesus comes back again. And I would never get tired of hearing him not once. How about you? 35. Verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then, of course, he sent forth laborers into the harvest. 
And verse 1 of chapter 10, When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and how long? Fourteenth chapter of the same gospel, verse 14. Aren't you glad that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Aren't you glad that he never changes? Well, let's look at this scripture right here. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed, healed their sick. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, let's go to the 15th chapter of the same gospel and read another one, verses 29 and 30. 31. And Jesus departed unto thence, from thence, and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain, and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel." Who anointed Jesus? God did with the Holy Ghost and what power who went about doing good and healing how many? All that were oppressed of the devil. So where does sickness and disease and oppression come from? Where does healing come from? From God. Well, I've been led to share with you this evening that if Jesus was that way yesterday, and if the Scripture holds true that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever... Well, then, bless God, the things that he did yesterday are the same things he can do today. Do you believe that? The things that he did yesterday is the same thing he'll do today. Now, let's look in Galatians, the third chapter. And I want to share with you that Jesus, when he was here on this earth, did all those things by exercising authority over the devil. But what Jesus did for you and me, he didn't do just in his earth walk, but he did it in his death, his burial, and resurrection. Now, man needs to be delivered, spirit, soul, and body, if he's going to live a productive life in the earth, if he's going to live a prosperous life in the earth. And here we begin to see exactly how Jesus made a provision for us in spirit, in soul, and in body. I call it the threefold cure. And I'm very concerned, to be honest with you, about one of these areas. It's the area of the mind. It's the area of the mind. Jesus made a provision for the mind, which we'll see in a minute. But here in Galatians, the third chapter, this is a great truth that I began to see when I first got saved. And I'll be honest with you. I hold all I know about healing. I hold this scripture responsible for all that we've received and obtained in the area of divine healing and health. Because when I read this scripture, these couple of scriptures in this third chapter of the book of Galatians, I mean to tell you, it set my heart ablaze. It set my feet to dancing. And I knew that I knew that I knew that sickness and disease would no longer be allowed in my household and in my family. I want to share that truth with you this evening. In the 13th verse of the third chapter of this book, We find these precious words, I call them very precious, very precious, 
Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say that with me. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, as you back up to verse 13, unless you have some insight into that scripture, you may just read over it very lightly and not obtain revelation knowledge as to what God has really done through Jesus Christ here. God made Jesus to be the curse for you and for me. Cursed is every man that hangeth on the tree. And that's how he redeemed you and me from the curse of the law. Jesus actually became a curse of God. If you recall, they had two mountains back there in the days when the law was given. And in the, on those two mountains, on one mountain you had the blessings to be read and said and spoken. And on the other side you had the curses. And once a year they would go up on a the mountain, they'd re, they would pronounce the blessings and pronounce the curses. To remind them continually exactly what God said for them to do and exactly what would happen to them if they didn't obey what God said to do. And the blessings were wonderful. The blessings, just outstanding. I mean, the blessings are so good. They're found in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. Let's turn there very quickly. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. Here we see the blessings of the law as opposed to the curses of the law. The blessings as opposed to the curse. Now, in this 28th chapter, if you've not done this, I would suggest that you do so. You not only read the blessings, I can't have to take time to go through all of it. You not only read the blessings, but you read all the curses to find out exactly what you've been redeemed from. And if you'll really get in and study those curses, you'll find out that there's cancer in there. You'll find out that there's tuberculosis in there. You'll find out that there are fevers in there. You'll find out that there's all kind of skin disorder and skin disease in there. You'll find out that there's all kind of madness and blindness in there. You'll find out that there's probably, you know, most of the sicknesses and diseases that are known to mankind back there. But also you'll find out that the blessings over here in this 28th chapter, verses 1 through 15, actually 14, the blessings are astounding. Let's just read a little bit. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. He's the overtaker. Sometimes I think people got the idea that God's the undertaker. But he's not. He's the overtaker. He overtakes me with blessings. Amen. The blessings of Abraham have come on me, and they have overtaken me. Now look what it says. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be the basket, the store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. And the Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. And, and they shall come out against thee one way, and they'll flee from you in seven ways. 
the Lord will command a blessing upon you in the storehouses and all that you set your hand unto to do. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God giveth you. And the Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. I'll tell you what. This stuff gets rich. I mean, this is, the, like I said, this is what opened up to me the fact that God wants me to be blessed. Now, let's go over here to the 15th verse of that same chapter. You can read that for yourself. But I want you to note something. I want you to note all the curses. If you've not done this, I'm just giving this out as free information. This won't cost you a nickel. It won't cost you a dime. But I guarantee you something. You'll get a gold mine if you'll study it. You'll get a gold mine if you'll study it out. Look it over here. But it shall come to pass, if you're not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all His commandments and statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and store. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land and the increase of your kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall be when you go out. Oh, I mean, you're just all cursed. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, rebuke, and all that you set your hand unto to do. Oh, until you be destroyed, until you perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make thee pest the pestilence cleave unto thee, until uh, he have consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, or tuberculosis, with a fever, with an inflammation, or an extreme burning. And in there you have cancers that cannot be healed. And also with a sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until you perish. And the heaven that is over your head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. You ever try praying through brass? Huh? You ever try praying through brass? Someone I heard say, I prayed, but it didn't seem like my prayers got through the ceiling. That's because there's brass up there. Couldn't get through, couldn't penetrate. You go on reading this, and you'll find out that, I mean, to tell you, there's every sickness. Look at verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch. I mean, that's every, every disease that's on the body, every skin disorder, every skin disease, whereof you cannot be healed. Really, the better translation of where you cannot be healed is this. Where there's no known cure. I said, where there's no known cure. She said, well, there's no known cure for this. We can try to treat it, but there's no known cure. Why do you think there's no known cure? Well, read and find out. These curses are in the world. And the medical world doesn't understand about the curse of the law. They don't understand about the blessings of Abraham. Sure, there's no known cure. Because they don't have the light of God. They don't have the knowledge of God. But I know a cure. I said, I know a cure. I know a cure for every sickness and every disease known to the human race. Jesus of Nazareth. He's the cure. Now the Lord, and is it go, go on and read all this, shall smite thee with madness and with blindness, with astonishment of heart. Thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. Notice that thou shalt grope in noonday. And keep these thoughts in mind when I, you know, point them out to you. Noonday. As in the darkness. As the blind grope in the darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, no man shall save thee. 
Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and thou shalt not gather the grapes thereof. I mean to tell you, you talk about curses. I said, you talk about curses. You get married, and someone else will take your wife. This is, this is powerful stuff, isn't it? This is some potent stuff right here that he's saying. But as you go on, and I don't have time to read it, so let's go to 58. If thou will not observe, verse 58, If thou will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name the Lord your God, then the Lord will make your plagues wonderful, and the plagues of your seed, and even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases All the diseases of Egypt which thou wast afraid of, and the Lord, and they shall cleave unto thee. Now, let's stop just for a minute and look at this verse 61. And also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Am I glad we're done with that? How would you like to live under that rule? Would you? Aren't you glad we're under grace and not the law? Can you imagine having to live under that? Can you imagine that? Well, now listen to me. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Now go to Isaiah 53. And remember the noonday. Isaiah 53. Being made a curse for us. Man, being a tripart being, a triune being has need of being delivered from sin in his spirit. His spirit is contaminated with sin, spiritual death. Man, in his need, has to have his soul delivered from anxiety, fear, all, all the things you can imagine. His mind, that is. His soul, the mental realm. And also, man, in his need, has the need of being delivered from these sicknesses and diseases and these germs that are ever endeavoring trying to attach themselves to our bodies. I mean, you can go right on through that whole thing and find allergies. If you want to do, you know, study it out for yourself, you'll find out all the things that are listed over there in that curse of the law. Well, man had a threefold need. He needed to have eternal life for his spirit. He needed to have peace for his soul. And he needed to have health for his body. Threefold need. Now notice, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. God had made him to be sin for us. God had made him to be sick for us. And now notice the scripture over here in Isaiah 53. Look at start with verse 4. Surely he bore our griefs or sicknesses and carried our sorrows or pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God... And afflicted. God did this to him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's our sin. 
1. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Or mental, as mental anguish. Man needs to be delivered from that mental torment. Was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. In that scripture we have the threefold cure. Meeting the threefold need of man. Number one, our sins and iniquities, as you see over there in verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's our sin. Over there in verse 5, the chastisement of our peace, that's mental anguish, that's the soul. And then number three, we find over there in the latter part of verse 5 also, with his stripes we are healed. Those are spiritual stripes. Not the stripes of the Roman lictor upon his back, but these are the stripes laid upon him by the Father himself. These stripes in the Spirit, in his Spirit. You see, God hath made him to be sick. As a matter of fact, if you read verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, or he made him to be sick. A more literal translation. He made Jesus to be sick. Now actually, here we see Jesus became sin for us so that we could become righteous. Jesus became mentally... He took upon our mental anguish upon himself so that you and I could have peace of mind, tranquility. And also, Jesus became sickness itself for us, the curse. But the Spirit of God has spoke up inside me recently and said, my people got to understand that I did something about their minds. The greatest need of the church today is having their mind renewed. And I said, well, now, Lord, if, if we need to have something done about our minds, and I know, for, you know, in the shadow of a doubt, there's got to be some provision made. And that provision is found at Calvary. If we can't go back to Calvary and find out our, what our provision is, where can we go? Jesus became sin. Say it together with me. Jesus became sin, Jesus became sin. So, I so I could become righteous. He took my mental anguish, took my mental anguish. so I could have peace of mind. He actually became sickness and disease so I could be healed and healthy. Now, that's the threefold need of man, and that's the threefold provision. Now, what I want you to grasp, what I want you to begin to see this evening, is the very fact that Jesus suffered for us in all three rounds. And as you begin to find out that he became the curse of the law, and when you find out what the consequence was to become that curse of the law, then you're going to have the idea to what extreme Jesus suffered and died for you. And if you begin to see what extreme Jesus suffered and died for you, you will never want to hear anybody say out of their lips. Now, they may be young in the Lord, don't know any better, but you won't want to hear anybody say out of their mouth, that God wants you to be sick for a reason. My wife recently had a call from somebody who's uh, on the west, more on the west coast. And that person said, I went to church, or I called churches. And she you know, said, I called all kind of churches. And I asked them what they believed because they wanted to find a place to go to church. I asked them what they believed. And they said, that they believe beyond the shadow of a doubt. This is full gospel now. These are all full gospel churches. Beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is responsible for making his children sick. And she called every one of these churches and, and called and tried to find out where I could go to church because of what they were taught, you know, elsewhere. 
and said, all the churches that I called all believe that God makes everybody sick, especially his children. And it's his will that they be sick. And I says, I haven't heard that for such a long time. I didn't, I didn't realize anybody ever believed that anymore. Did you? I didn't realize that someone can actually believe that, that God would make somebody sick. Well, now, I want you to see something here. Because like I said, this was a blessing to me. And it is a blessing to me, even to this day. And as I speak about it and say about it again, I get a fire lit inside me. My wood's not wet, I'll tell you right now. My, 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 it's dry. I mean, it's on. I'm on fire. I want you to see the fullness of this curse. Remember over there where it says you'll grope around at noonday as a blind man gropes in the darkness? And then it vividly describes how everything would come upon you. I want you to see Jesus on that tree. I know it's not nice. I don't like to think about it myself. But if you're going to get an understanding of what Jesus did for you, if you're going to appreciate what he did for you, you've got to see this. And if you don't see this, then something's wrong. Jesus' human spirit was so annihilated, it actually became a partaker of the same nature that Adam did when he sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. It became from absolute life to absolute death. That's what it meant for you and me to become the righteousness of God. I can imagine Adam. But remember something. Jesus came, but Jesus was the Son of the living God. Adam was the creation of God, but Jesus, the Son of the living God, the spotless, pure, holy, blameless, faultless, holy, holy, immaculate Son of the living God. And he went from life to death. Can you imagine how devastating that had to be to the human spirit? He became accursed of God. His spirit took upon itself the actual nature of the one he defied and walked over and stepped on, Satan. He became acquainted with Satan in sin. He became one with Satan himself, the immaculate Son of God. He took on spiritual death in his spirit. He became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God. All right, number two. Jesus, if you could see this. Now, remember at noon when the, it got real dark? That's what I was referring to back there. All this was coming on Jesus now. Everything that that curse of the law said came on Jesus. I want you to realize that. Everything that it was talking about, all that sickness and disease and all those calamities, all those things came upon him. And over there where it talks about groping in the darkness as in noonday, Jesus hung there upon that tree, accursed of God, became sin in his spirit and mentally if you could just visualize or if you can see this now remember he's a human being you've got to realize this you've got to know this he's a human being he had absolute knowledge of the father god he was aware of his presence at every moment he knew all about the father he knew the thoughts of the father's heart he knew all about his heavenly father he could speak so freely to the father god he said he said i'm glad i know you hear me and i'm only saying it for these people's you know, benefit. But I know you always hear me in anything I say. I know because you and I are one. But now he cries out in darkness. You know why it was dark? Because of the next step. If you can see what happened to his body. But here in his mind, all the light, all the knowledge, all the oneness, all the wisdom, all that he had with, with the Father God, immediately he becomes like Adam. It's wiped out. The first thing he cries out is, My God! My God! 
Why hast thou forsaken? Jesus saying, forsaken me? I want you to see what happened to his mind. I want you to see the light went out. The darkness that came to his mind. He couldn't find God. It was like Adam. Adam was estranged from God, separated from God. No way to approach him. No way to find him out. Jesus said, you've forsaken me. Now, wait a minute. He just committed his spirit into the Father's hands, but all of a sudden, now you've forsaken me? See, no contact with God in the, in the soul in that realm. Jesus became every form of mental disease that you could possibly imagine or think of. The fullness of that curse came upon him. When you see somebody that's walking around the earth with, with mental handicaps, your heart just, you know, goes out to them. You want to see them helped. And you just begin to... Believe me, let me tell you something. That's only a part of the curse of the law. That's only a, a, a small part. Jesus became the full curse of the law. Jesus hung there on that tree. And I mean to tell you, the mental anguish that came upon him is indescribable. You cannot describe it. It's indescribable. You can't begin to describe the mental torment and the mental anguish that Jesus of Nazareth went through when he became separated from the Father God and took upon himself the life and the nature of Satan. Okay, and thirdly, you could not begin to realize and see, and that's why I believe the darkness came over all the earth, his human body actually became took upon himself in his spirit. It affected all. It affected it. As a matter of fact, if, if we had time to go through some translations of Isaiah 52, it says he was marred more than any man so that his, his form was not even that of a man. They couldn't stand a look upon him. Even his, his adversaries looked up and they were in awe. They said they, they can't believe that this is a man, the form of a man. Can you, if you can imagine at that given moment when he became that, how it affected him in spirit and soul and body. I don't believe, it's, it's so devastating. It is so devastating that, to realize that even those that his accusers stood there with their mouths hung wide open. Even those that stood there and they, they were the ones that, that put him up on that tree. They couldn't believe. And they, I think one trans translation cries out and says that they can't understand how anybody could be like that and, and, and look that way. Even the ones that were shouting against him and screaming, they couldn't understand how anybody could be like, like he was. I don't think we've begun to see the depths of what Jesus has done for us until we realize that Jesus became the actual curse of the law. Accursed in spirit, cursed in soul, and cursed in body. Now, when I found this out, when I found out that Jesus was cursed in spirit for me, when I found out that Jesus became cursed in his soul, and that's the area I want to get into in, in a way, and I believe we're going to get into it soon. Jesus, no wonder the Bible says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. No wonder the Bible teaches us that he knows what we've been going through. No wonder it says that as a father pitieth his children, he has pity upon us, those that fear him. He knows everything that Jesus went through. His mind was completely destroyed with death. And then finally his body, his visage was so marred more than any man. More than any man. If you thought that person that had a you know, deformed body whether it be in the leg or the arm or whatever, whatever part of that body, whatever the case might be, if you thought that person was deformed, you didn't see anything that happened to Jesus. That's what happened to our Savior. That's what He became for us, for you and for me. Remember I said something this morning about right motive when you pray, right intention of heart, right intent of heart when you pray and ask the Father for things, right motive, right intent, right attitude. 
I remember myself saying, see these things come to light sometimes later. And I remember myself saying as I was teaching the Bible study, I said, I want you people to know something. I don't understand it all yet. I said, I don't have the, you know, the, the wisdom that I need to know. And I don't have the in-depth teaching about this right now. I said, but I want you to know something. If my Jesus became sin for me, separated from the Father for me, if Jesus took all those sicknesses and all those diseases in his own body, in his own person on that tree, if Jesus actually did that for me, then my reason for wanting to be healed and delivered and set free is not just to show that I know how to walk by faith, not just to show somebody that I know something that they don't know. My reason for wanting to be delivered and healed is because he saw the need in my life and he met that need with his life. And because he did that for me, because he became that curse for me, I will honor him by refusing to allow sickness and disease to live in my body. I will honor him by refusing to have darkness in my mind. I refuse to allow sin to live in my spirit. I refuse to sin. We should look at sin. Well, actually, the only way you can look at sin and, and, and how, you know, God hates that sin only and measure that sin only by the sacrifice that had to be paid for that sin. That's the only way we can measure the depths of sin. How far-reaching is that sin? How far-reaching was that that Adam did? It reached the very throne of God, the only one that can help us or redeem us was somebody that was up there in glory. That's how far-reaching. It was so low, it reached every place in the earth, and it went all the way up to the throne of God. And the only one that could come and save and deliver... And I tell you, that's why when I quote that scripture of that Revelation 5th chapter... When John was weeping and crying out in lamentation because there was nobody worthy. Nobody was worthy to, you know, open up that book and continue on the book of life. And he cried out, but, but look at there is Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Root of David. That, that man's worthy right there. I mean to tell you, your heart gets filled with joy and laughter. And you just begin to stand back in, in the awe of God. And you say, Father... How could these minds of ours begin to understand and fathom the price you paid for my salvation? How precious must I be in your sight that you sent Jesus to actually become the curse, the sin, the mental anguish, the cancer, the tuberculosis, the emphysema for me? And I sit back and I just say, wow, how could you understand that? How can you grasp that? How can you clearly see that? That's why the Bible says meditate on these things. Meditate on what Jesus did for you. Meditate on exactly what he did for you. And I guarantee you something on the inside will begin to cry out. Something on the inside will just begin to boil up in your spirit. And you'll look the devil in the face. You'll look sickness and disease. You'll never again say I'm not righteous. You'll never again say I'm sin conscious. You'll never say I'm condemned because I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if you feel like the worst worm on the earth. You'll rise up into a place and say, My Lord Jesus died and became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with my Father. I can stand before Him without guilt, without inferiority. And I guarantee you I'm not inferior to mental anguish. I'm not inferior to disease, to Satan, to all His kingdom. I don't care what it looks or feels like. I don't walk by looks and feeling. I walk by faith. I said, I walk by faith. And that's what God said. That's what he did to Jesus. And bless God, I'm cashing in on it. I am not going to put the blood of Jesus to shame. 
That's what I said. I'm not going to count the blood of Jesus unworthy or unholy. I'm going to take all that it stands for, all that it represents. I'm going to look the devil in the eye and tell him, bless God, I've been redeemed by the blood. I've been set free by the blood. I refuse to have mental anguish. That'll get you to get them, you know, vain imaginations and reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and cast them out of your thinking and cast them out of your mind because Jesus became your mental anguish. I want you to know that Jesus wants to do a work on your mind. How many of you have ever received Jesus as your peace of mind? I want to tell you something. I received Him as Savior for my spirit. I received Him as healer for my body. But I haven't heard too many say, why don't you receive Him as peace of your mind? Hallelujah. There's a threefold cure right there. You know what's the problem in the body of Christ is their minds. I, I think about, you know, I talk to people, and they're just wrong thinking. You think you're nobody. You think, you know, you have no clout with God. You think God won't hear your prayer. You think he's holding this big grudge against you. You think because you didn't read your Bible today, you're just a little, you know, you know little child off astray and God doesn't want to look at you. That's the worst thing you could ever think. I want you to know that God thinks about you only the best. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you didn't do. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you think you look like. I don't care what you look, when you look in the mirror. If you think you're the biggest hypocrite that walked on the face of this earth, I want you to know that God thinks you are the best thing going. God thinks that you are precious and valuable, and your Heavenly Father thinks that you're the best thing that ever existed on this earth. He thinks of you so highly that you have become His representative in this earth, your ambassador, to go and tell everybody around here that you serve the Most High Living God. That's what he thinks about you. I want you to start thinking what God thinks about you. And if you've not done it yet, I want you to receive Jesus as your peace of mind. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. That's what we're talking about right there. Jesus is your redeemer of your spirit. He's also your peace of mind and he's a healer of your body. And I believe that it takes an actual acceptance of Christ to be that in your mind. You know, we try to renew our mind and we're, you know, running around doing it. But you know what? Let's go back to Calvary. Let's go back to the cross. When you begin to see him, well, how do we see him to be righteous? We see him as the lamb slain, right? He became sin for us. How do I get healed? I go back to Calvary and I see Jesus crucified. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Now, are you ready? The most important area in, in the body of Christ right now. That's after you've been saved and realize these two things. Right now is to have that understanding that he is your peace of mind. Jesus has become your peace of mind. He paid the price for your mental torment and anguish. If this was preached from the pulpits throughout America, I believe we would empty the saint asylums. I believe to tell you that we'd never get anybody to go back in there again if they knew that Jesus died for their peace of mind. When I think of, of, of people with children, it is just they have no rest, they have no peace of mind. When I think of people that are you know, confronted with sicknesses and diseases and afraid of them and have a, a fear of them, they have no peace of mind because they didn't realize what Jesus did for them. When I think of people that are, you know, fearful of so many things and, and I talk to them, I mean, I, I talk to my heart. I mean, to tell you, you know, I can talk and talk and I, my heart just begins to just open up. And I say, oh, Father God, if people would know what Jesus did for them, if they just knew what Jesus did on that cross, if they only knew how he was cursed by you for their sin, for their mental anguish, for their physical healing, if they only knew that, if they only saw that, if they only realized that, how it would change and revolutionize every Christian's life. I, I believe this. I believe this. 
we're going to start talking about right and wrong thinking, right and wrong believing, right and wrong speaking, right and wrong acting. I want you to know something. You take this as a formula. What you think will affect what you believe. What you believe will affect what you speak. And what you speak will affect how you act. The whole law, the law of faith is involved right here. I know how faith works out of your spirit, out of your mouth, but listen to me. Your thinking will affect what you believe. That's where it starts. It starts with you. Your thinking will affect what you believe. If you think wrong, then you're going to believe wrong. If you believe wrong, you're going to speak wrong. How many of you ever talked to somebody that said, just like that I said to you earlier, that Jesus makes, or God makes us sick? How many of you at one time believed that way? Be honest and raise your hand. How many of you were taught that way? Raise it up high. That's devastating. More than 50% of you at one How many believe that way now? You know what happened? You were honest before, just as you're honest right now, but you actually thought that, didn't you? Somebody might have preached that to you. Someone told you that, and you really thought that was true. You thought that God makes you sick. So what did you do? You believed it. And when you believed it, you said it. Oh, but brother, I believe that God wants me to be sick for a reason. He's chastening me. He's teaching me something. See, your thinking was wrong. Therefore, your believing was wrong. And then your speaking was wrong. And of course, you never acted on the word to get healed. Your actions were wrong. You said, if God wants me to be healed, he'll heal me. And so on and so forth. But once you get your thinking straightened out, what, then you get your believing straightened out. Once you get your believing straightened out, you get your speaking straightened out. When you get your speaking straightened out, you're going to get your actions straightened out. Let's all stand together and let's say this together. Jesus became the curse for me. He became sin in spirit so that I could become righteous in spirit. He took my mental anguish so that I could have peace. Peace of mind. He became sickness and disease so that I could become whole. Sickness and disease is not of God. Mental anguish is not of God. Sin is not of God. Therefore, I have for me the provision of Calvary. I am enjoying the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ that is righteousness, peace of mind, and a whole body. What more can you say? That's about all you can say. Amen means so be it. Now you stop right there and you start your thinking. I'll never again say I have a problem with my mind. So many people say I can't think. I can't understand the scriptures. And they forgot the fact that Jesus became their mental anguish so that the light could come to your mind. See, that's because they've never received Jesus as their peace of mind. Now, how many of you really, really never formally did that? Raise your hand if you never formally did that. If you never asked Jesus to be your peace of mind. I mean it. I mean, you asked him to be, you know, Lord of your spirit. But now he's becoming Lord of your soul. Lord of your mind. 
And that means what you're going to say is you're not going to start saying that, that you have a problem with your mind. But you're going to start saying that he is my peace of mind. I have tranquility. I have peace of mind. I rest in him. Amen. Let's do it together. If you, if you raise your hand, let's just pray together. Let's just pray all together. Just where you stand between you and the Father. Let's all say it together. Heavenly Father, I stand before you in the name of Jesus. I see that the chastisement of my peace was upon Jesus so that I could have peace of mind. I accept that fact. Lord Jesus, I make you Lord over my soul. Lord over my thinking. Your word will govern my thinking. I have your ability. You are my wisdom. You are my light. I acknowledge it now. I accept it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of light bulbs went on. Now, see that Holy Spirit's going to illuminate your mind such a way? Well, I wish we could talk about this for a long time. But you do that study yourself. You find out all that Jesus became so that you didn't have to become or have. You take every realm of life and find out also the fact that he became poor so that you could become rich. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.